0: Today is January 1st, 2023. This is everyone has an opinion. My name is Juan. Welcome to a special edition of the podcast. This is the pro wrestling edition. If you're looking for boxing, if you're looking for that sweet science, this isn't the place for you. Exit the podcast. Go to the archives. Check out my 2022 yearly award show. I break down the best fight of the year, the fighter of the year, the round of the year, the event of the year. Go back, check it out give it a listen, share it with a friend, have a mazel tov, I don't know, do whatever you want to do. It's 2023, different rules this year. But this episode is for the pro wrestling fan we're going to break down what was a fantastic year in pro wrestling 2022. There was highs, there was lows. And like Generation X says, we are going to break it down. But before we can get into the year that was 2022, I want to talk about something in the future. Teaser if you will. For the professional wrestling fans out there. You enjoy me talking about wrestling. or well, get used to it. Because in 2023. We will launch a brand new podcast. Separate from everyone has an opinion. Everyone has an opinion. Is going to stick to it's bread and butter. Boxing. So boxing fans out there. Who are sick of me talking about this stuff. Don't worry. You won't have to see it pull up on your on your feed anymore. You will have to go to a separate location. A podcast to be named later. Me and... And a co-host friend of mine, Kevin, who is an Attitude Era extraordinaire. He's a historian when it comes to that time period. Him and I are going to break down some things from the past, some things from the present, some all-time stuff. We're going to have a lot of fun. I can't wait to introduce you guys to that podcast. So be on the lookout for that one coming this year. But now, on to 2022's yearly awards. I have to say 2022 was a banner year for the sport of professional wrestling. Besides what actually took place in the ring, there were some of the most talked about things in the history of wrestling that took place in 2022. These are things that are going to be talked about for years to come. I have to break down the top story of the year, but let me just go through the runner-ups because there were so many things that happened this year that were just mind-blowing. Let me start with with light with a few light things and we'll work our way up. Number one, oh, actually, scrap number one. This is no order. This is just a list of some of the crazy things that happened this year, and then I'll at the end I will reveal the top story in my opinion. AEW moves to TBS. Not a huge deal, but they were originally on TNT. They moved over to the partner program TBS. Um, this way they won't be. They won't have to change their schedule for NBA playoffs and things like that. Overall, I think it's been a positive move. I haven't noticed anything negative that came with the TBS deal. Another thing that happened this year in wrestling. Sasha Banks and Naomi walk out of WWE. They were the tag team champions in the women's division. They felt there wasn't enough importance placed on those belts or their positioning, or the storylines involved with the belts. They had an argument, couldn't come to an agreement. Supposedly put the belts on John Laurinaitis, who was president of Talent Relations at that time, put it on his desk, walked out, never came back to this day, still haven't come back. That was pretty shocking. Speaking of contract disputes, MJF, one of the most talented young stars in this industry. Number one right now on the mic. Excellent in-ring as well. Great character overall. Signed a, a low-end deal when he, when he started with this company. He was relatively unknown to the American audience. And became a star in AEW. Felt he needed more money. Didn't get it. Walked out until he did. Left for a couple months. Finally, they came to an agreement. He is back now. He's actually a champion now. That was big news. Another one. Roman Reigns' storyline. Roman Reigns' epic, historic title run. More so inside the wrestling show, if you will. But that was still a headline. Um, nonetheless, to me, this is a run that's going to be talked about for a very, very long time. It is historic. I don't think people fully appreciate it yet until he's done. Kind of like Cena. A lot of people didn't appreciate Cena at his peak. Later, he got like a split crowd, and now it's all love, it's all respect. Everybody loves John Cena. I think a similar thing is going to happen with Roman Reigns years from now. But right now, he is on a hell of a run. Another headline-type story. AEW president and owner Tony Khan Purchases Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor was around since I believe two thousand one. Excellent, excellent independent program. Never with a high budget, but they created a lot of stars: Samoa Joe, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Seth Rollins. All these guys started. AJ Styles had some time there. All these guys spent significant time honing their craft, creating great storylines, creating great matches in Ring of Honor. They sold, they sold to the AEW owner. Since then, he's been putting on pay-per-view events. Supposedly they're gonna get a weekly show. We'll see how that goes. Another story that was kind of swept under the rug, but it was a huge deal. Forbidden Door, AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling combined for a pay-per-view called Forbidden Door. That was unprecedented. Top American, or it's obviously second to WWE, a top American Wrestling promotion and the number one Japan promotion combined for an event, wrestling each other in matches, excellent pay-per-view, that was a big deal. In other years, that could have been a main story. Not 2022, this is a loaded year. Up next, Stone Cold Steve Austin returns to the ring for the first time since 2003. Wrestles a match. Main events WrestleMania night one. Wow. Any other year. This is by far the most talked about thing. Not in 2022. This is insane. Also, Cody Rhodes, guy who founded or helped found and probably the one most responsible for the company AEW, supposedly was having contract disputes. Ends up leaving AEW. Not only does he leave AEW. He debuts at WrestleMania. Or re-debuts. Because he was originally from WWE. He returns to WWE at WrestleMania. With the exact same character he's been. That he made himself. Since WWE released him. Same look. Same outfit. Same attire. Same moves. Same entrance. Same music. Very, very rare air that Cody Rhodes did. That was on the Vince McMahon era, by the way. 100% home run. Um, He eventually gets injured. He should be back soon. But the time that he was there was amazing. All those things were not story of the year to me. Number one thing, Vince McMahon retires. Steps down from his position amidst the controversy Allegations against him. You can Google it. Incredible. This guy has been running wrestling since before I was born. I am in my 30s. This dude has been the head honcho forever. Not anymore. Steps down. Triple H takes over his son-in-law. Takes over the creative. um, His daughter and Nick Khan combined to be the CEO of WWE but wow Vince McMahon no longer in charge he does still own majority of the company but he's not operating the day to day he's not operating the creative that we see on television that's that's insane that's mind blowing to me a little bit sad but I was a little bit happy at the same time because Vince kind of lost his touch a little bit he still had moments like I said the Cody Rhodes stuff the way he handled that WrestleMania in general was fantastic this year he had some shining moments, but he he was definitely losing a little bit of speed on that fastball. He definitely needed to switch it up. I think Triple H is the guy for the job. So far, he's done a remarkable job taking over. The the combination of him taking over and Vince retiring, to me, has to be story of the year. Sorry, Stone Cold. Sorry, CM Punk. I didn't even mention that. CM Punk has a press conference. That was in my uh honorable mention as well. CM Punk had the press conference after the all-out pay-per-view. Completely rips wrestlers that he's with, ends up starting an actual fight, and hasn't been with the company since. I mean, this this year has been nuts. Let's get into the other awards real quick. I don't want to take up too much of your time here, but it's been a hell of a year. 2022 definitely delivered for me as a fan. I enjoyed it. There was some really good pay-per-views this year. Let's get into pay-per-view of the year. Coming in at number three. AEW Revolution. You had Punk versus MJF in a dog collar match. It was a perfect match for their feud. These guys did everything to each other. Buckets of blood were spilled throughout the arena during that match. Also, won that card, you had Moxley versus Brian Danielson. That was a tremendous match. It also had the debut in AEW of William Regal, who became their manager. And you had a good title match between Hangman Adam Page and Adam Cole. That was awesome. There was also. Um, A ladder match in that pay-per-view. Like, there was a lot of stuff going on. That's definitely a top three pay-per-view. Eddie Kingston got his big moment in the first match of the night. How could I forget that? Against Chris Jericho. Not only beat him, but made him submit. So that was a huge, huge win for Eddie Kingston. Overall, tremendous pay-per-view. Number two, and this was close here. WWE Clash at the Castle took place in the UK. The first major event they've had since, I believe, SummerSlam 92. That's how long it was. The crowd was absolutely electric. Sheamus and Gunther put on an absolute classic for the IC title. And then the main event also delivered. Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. The crowd almost blew the roof off the joint if there was a roof. They wanted their guy, Drew McIntyre, to win the title. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But still a great match. And we saw the debut of the Bloodlines Enforcer. Solo, Sokoa. Top to bottom, tremendous pay-per-view. I'll definitely watch that again soon. But number one, like I said, it was tough. It was between Clash of the Castle and this Forbidden Door, as I mentioned earlier. New Japan Pro Wrestling, AEW combined for the pay-per-view of the year. And what's interesting about this pay-per-view is it didn't have, <clears throat> excuse me, it didn't have much buzz going into it, and that's because of the circumstances. Out of their control. CM Punk got injured. It was supposed to be CM Punk versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the AEW title. That is like a dream type matchup. Also, Brian Danielson was injured as well. He was supposed to fight Zack Sabre Jr. And what was going to be a technical clinic. Two of the best technical wrestlers going at it. We were robbed of those two matches. So the hype was kind of down. But what the pay-per-view ended up delivering was incredible we got Claudio Casanoli aka Cesaro debuting for AEW, he took Bryan's place, he had a great match against Zack Sabre Jr and then in the main event you had Moxley defending against Tanahashi, that was a war you also had Jay White, Hangman Adam Page, Kazuchika Okada and Adam Cole in a fatal four-way for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship that was a good match but There's one match that stole the show. It was Orange Cassidy. Yes, Orange Cassidy versus Will Ospreay for the IWGP United States title. That match was spectacular. Anything you could possibly want out of an Orange Cassidy match, you got it, and then some. I recommend going back, watching that pay-per-view. It had to be my pay-per-view of the year, especially with the lower expectations. It just surpassed those By far. Up next, we have Booker of the Year. This, to me, wasn't too hard. It had to be Tony Khan. And I know people are going to say, oh, I'm an AEW lover or whatever. Listen, Vince McMahon had some good moments early, but he also had some horrible stuff. And then he retired. Triple H started on fire. He has slowed down a little bit. He's also had some rough patches here and there. But he hasn't had the entire year to really do what he wants. He had to kind of take over for somebody else and clean up what they were doing in order to make his own vision. It's a work in progress. So as far as consistency, I got to go Tony Khan. The only time AEW slipped was when things that were out of his control happened, like injuries, um, guys fighting each other, stuff like that. And he had to change plans last minute. Other than that, Tony Khan's had a really, really good year. And I think people are hard on him because he's out there a lot. He he does press conferences. He's really open. He's really honest. I got to give him Booker of the Year. I'm sorry. Kind of piggybacking off that show of the year. This one was actually pretty close. It was between AEW Dynamite and SmackDown. I have to go with Dynamite, SmackDown, was inconsistent early. Um, and there's times when Roman's not on the show. That the, the show really kind of shows its lack of star power in that aspect. But the last few months, it's been great. You've got the return of Bray Wyatt, who's one of the strongest characters on television. You have Roman Reigns, who is the strongest character on t- television. The entire Bloodline storyline. Sami Zayn is shining. Um, Sheamus has been killing it all year. SmackDown is really, really good. Raw... Got to be the worst show because it's too long, really. I mean, they have to change some things and Triple H has, but even with the good changes he's made, it's not, it's a tough watch all the way through. SmackDown, fantastic, but AEW Dynamite, like I said, when I was talking about Booker of the Year, the only times that show has dipped, and it did dip. There was some, some bad periods there. It was when things happened that were totally unexpected, like injuries and suspensions and stuff like that, where Tony Khan had to deviate from whatever his original plan was and come up with something. Now, in the last four weeks or so, they've been rolling. They had that little patch. They've been rolling ever since. And obviously, they started the year strong. So I have to go with AEW Dynamite. That is the show that I look forward to the most every single week. Up next, we have Feud of the Year. This one wasn't very close. I mean, if you're talking about just matches... You could kind of pick and choose between guys. But when it comes to a sustained feud, it was a no-brainer for me. MJF versus CM Punk. These two told an amazing story that would have made the plot for a movie. Talking about how MJF was a fan of Punk as a kid, him and Brian Danielson shaking hands, is what inspired him to become a professional wrestler. There are so many layers to this story, bringing up CM Punk's past, intertwining lines that CM Punk himself had said in prior feuds. MJF brings him up because he's such a big Punk fan. Incredible. Teasing the babyface turn that MJF had. Confusing Punk. Confusing the audience with saying, wait, what? Is this real? Like, MJF bringing himself to tears, talking about his love for professional wrestling and how Punk inspired him and things like that. The two matches they had, the excellent storytelling in the first match on TV where um, Wardlow slips MJF the ring, the Dynamite Diamond ring. They did such a good job of, of switching hands with the ring that the audience, including myself, had no idea because it was so quick. They had to show the replay to, she, to see Wardlow slipping the ring to him. That was great. The dog collar match was excellent. It's a shame that this feud couldn't really continue um, due to, obviously, CM Punk having an altercation with with EVPs of the company and stuff like that. But these two guys put together amazing art and I will definitely be watching it for as long as I'm a professional wrestling fan. It was one of the best feuds not only of 2022, but of all time. Up next, I got Tag Team of the Year. This was a three-person race, and it goes as follows. Number three, the acclaimed. This team has caught fire organically. They weren't shoved down our throats. This is a team the crowd just attached themselves to. We've Had their backs for a while now, and they finally made it to that mountaintop. Crowd went nuts when they won the titles. Um, They dissed their opponents in freestyle raps. They have a catchphrase, uh, scissor me. They have the goofiness, the funniness, the edginess. This is a team that is going to be talked about for a while if they continue on this run. They are red hot, and I hope that they bring their momentum into 2023. Number two, it really was down to 2-1, and isn't it? Any list you look at, you're probably going to get a fair split. Number two for me is the Usos. Unified, undisputed champions. They are a part of the greatest storyline going today. They are in the most dominant group we've seen in quite some time. They have had fantastic matches. With the New Day, with the Brawling Brutes, with the Street Profits, with RK Bro. They've done it in war games. They've done it in tornado matches, six man tag matches. They've done it all year long at an extremely high level. The only reason they're not number one is because they haven't had the dance partners to really push it to the next level critically in the ring. But needless to say, they've had a great year. All-time type run that they're on. But number one, I have to go with FTR. Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler are putting together some of the greatest tag team wrestling we've seen in decades. And I mean that. These guys, from an artistic level, are hitting levels we haven't seen in a long, long time, and they're doing it consistently, even though they haven't had the greatest amount of TV time. That's crazy. They still have stacked their resume in 2022 without getting a major, major push. Now, I mean, you could say, hey, listen, they had titles in so many different organizations. How could you say that? Well, on their main show, which is AEW Dynamite, they haven't been featured every single week and that's kind of mind-blowing. They've been featured just not every single week. I don't know why. They have proved to get ratings. They have proved to sell pay-per-views. They're critically acclaimed. I'm not sure what happened. Maybe something backstage. I don't know. But regardless, they're my tag team of the year. Just some of the matches that they've had. They had a tag team match against John Moxley and CM Punk. That was fantastic. They had a match with the Lucha Bros. That was fantastic. They had a match with the Acclaimed. That was fantastic. They had a match with the Young Bucks in Boston that I personally bought tickets to just to see this main event blew the roof off the joint. They had three separate matches with the Briscoe brothers that were all incredible. They had a match with Top Flight that was really good. They had a match with Aussie Open. They had a match with United Empire that was good. They won tag titles in Mexico and New Japan In Ring of Honor, they have dominated this division and brought life to tag team wrestling that I haven't been excited for since the early 2000s. My opinion. Some people may think the Young Bucks are the best team in the world. Some people may think the Usos are the best team in the world. For my money, I think FTR is the best tag team in the world today, hands down. But again, everyone has an opinion That's just mine. Next, we got Promo of the Year. Three stood out to me. I'm sure there was others that people can bring up and mention. But three really, really stuck out to me. Number three, it was hilarious and serious at the same time. Epic group effort here by the bloodline. Roman Reigns is kind of upset at the Usos, Jay Uso in particular. And Jay's kind of upset back and kind of being defiant. And Sami Zayn chimes in and says a line that not only popped me, made me laugh, and went viral. Even the guys in the ring broke character and laughed because it was just so out of left field and so funny. I'm going to play part of it for you the seriousness, the intensity, and then the comedy all rolled into one. It's incredible. I don't like your hair.
1: I don't like your face. I don't like that shirt you wear. Hey, hey! I don't like him being around my family every single week. My dog this, my dog that. Hey! How you think you part of the bloodline and you ain't blood? flash for you Sammy you never will be used. you don't belong here oh, nobody in this group like you I'm just the realest one to say it out loud you's a fake ass ooze you know the difference between you and me is I shed blood for every single one of my family members in here because it's my family not your- Oh, will you do it? Will you? I'm asking you a question. Why Why, why are you yelling at me, huh? Why are you yelling at me? I'm trying to make peace. The tribal chief said he wants peace. I don't give a damn what the tribal chief said. Look, what Jay just said was super, super messed up, but he he didn't mean that. He didn't mean that, right? He didn't mean that. He didn't mean that, Roman, seriously. He did not mean that, okay? Look, Jay's been going through a lot. He's gone through a lot. He's just not himself right now. That's it, okay? He's just not... Lately, he just hasn't
0: been very oozy. Can you feel that? I mean, this really hit every emotion. It was great. It was was intense. Like I said, Jay Uso going off, expressing his dislike for Sammy. And then Sammy saying, the tribal chief wants peace. Jey Uso defiantly saying, I don't give a damn what the tribal chief thinks or says. And then Sammy saying, you know, he didn't mean that, man. He just wasn't feeling Usy. (laughs) The comedic timing was perfect. When I say everyone in that ring is smirking and laughing and trying to hold it back, everyone in that ring, including Roman, cannot even hide their smile. They all started laughing. That just shows... The impact Sammy's had on this group inside the ring. And I'm sure backstage. This dude's been killing it. But that promo has to be top three of the year. The more I think about it, it might be it might be number two or one even. It was awesome. Number two for me though has to be CM Punk at All Out. Well, after All Out at the press conference. He gave his true feelings on things. He went off. He called people out. He kept going with it. He doubled down. I don't want to play a part of it because... There's really so much to pick at. So much to hear. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out on YouTube. It's the AEW All Out Media Scrum after the pay-per-view. CM Punk just goes on a tirade, which led to a fight, which led to suspensions, which led to him possibly not returning to professional wrestling at all. So definitely check that out. That has to be in the top three. But number one had to be MJF going off. On Tony Khan and professional wrestling fans in general CM Punk had a pipe bomb in WWE. This is MJF's version in AEW
1: Don't ask him to reach into his pockets and pay the man who's been busting his ass for him since day one No, 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 no Make sure he hoards all that money Make sure he hoards all that money So he can give it to all the new ex-WWE guys he keeps bringing in. That can't lace my goddamn boots! Hey, hey boss! Would you treat me better if I was an ex-WWE guy? See, maybe you don't get it, man. Here's the problem with you, boss you got a position of power in a wrestling company when the only position you should be assuming is behind the guardrail with all of them. I don't want to wait till 2024, but you don't listen to me. So allow me to make it a little bit easier for you. Tony, I want you to fire me. Tony, don't tell me down, you piece of shit. Shut your mouth. Look at me, Tony. Look at me! I want you to fire me. You fire me!
0: The passion, the honesty, the breaking of the fourth wall—it had everything. It was emotional. It was intense. And that's what wrestling is: guys going out there, telling their true feelings, where you can't really tell if it's the character or if it's the man behind the character. And that's what makes MJF so good. Not only in this promo, but in all of his promos. He is top notch. He is cream of the crop when it comes to the microphone. The best right now going. And he's definitely my promo of the year. Up next, we have the coveted Brick Flair Award. A.K.A. Wrestler of the Year. This one wasn't too tough, but there's a lot of guys who deserve recognition. I'm going to go through my top 10 and this was tough. This was tough even now, and it down to 10. But number 10, I got to go Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is the type of guy, and he's in a position right now, where he's a guy that gets hated if he wins a match, and it's loved if he loses a match. In other words, people say, oh, Jericho's holding guys down. Jericho's burying talent. Jericho's clinging to guys that are hot to try and make himself relevant. These are the type of things you hear fans saying. It's just not true. This guy has has been very given this year, giving Eddie Kingston his big moment and submitting against him, having great matches with Claudio Castagnoli for the ROH title, having matches with even Colt Cabana, that was pretty good, having matches with Daniel Garcia, Sammy Guevara in that multi-man match for the ROH title. He's had tag matches. He's had the Anarchy in the Arena match, the entire feud. With the Blackpool Combat Club. The Blood and Guts match. The pay-per-view match with Brian Danielson. The title match against Moxley. Where he was uh, Lionheart Chris Jericho. This dude has been on a hell of a run this year. From an in-ring perspective. Character-wise too. And he's been in shape. He's been in great shape. Last year. Or maybe the end of last year he started getting in shape. 2021. But early days of AEW. You could tell Jericho... Was partying. (laughs) He had no six pack whatsoever. He had a belly. He looked old. And granted he is old. But he looked his age at times. In 2022. Slimmed down. Felt completely inspired. Had great matches. The match with uh, Action Andretti. How could I forget that one? The upset of the year. Fantastic stuff from Jericho. All year. Uh, The six man tag it. Forbidden Door was very underrated. This dude's been involved in a lot of good matches this year. He's got to be top 10. Number 9, Sheamus. Another guy who just had banger. In his own words, actually. Banger after banger after banger after banger. He's had fantastic television matches and pay-per-view matches all year. He's a guy I always respected. I didn't like him as a single. I loved him in the tag team with the bar. But this year, 2022... He went off. He had so many good matches. None better than the match with Gunther at Clash of the Castle that I mentioned earlier. He's had matches with the Bloodline at War Games. He had a six-man tag at Extreme Rules. That was fantastic. This dude brings it every single night. Definitely top ten this year. Number eight, Gunther. Gunther has had a dominant Intercontinental title run. Matches against Ricochet, um, Rey Mysterio. I think he had a match with Riddle. The match at Clash of the Castle with Sheamus. So many good matches for Gunther. Dominating run. Hasn't been beaten, I don't think, this whole year. If he has, I can't remember it. But he's been dominating. Number seven, Kazuchika Okada. The ace, in my opinion. I know Tanahashi's the ace. But the man in New Japan, the whole Kogan of New Japan, if you will. This guy has been on top for about 10 years now. I don't see any signs of slowing up. He had fantastic matches with Will Ospreay this year, Jay White. um, He will have a match in a couple days at their version of WrestleMania, which is Wrestle Kingdom for New Japan. This dude is the cream of the crop, one of the best ever, and having another solid year this year. Number six, Will Ospreay, also of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's had a fantastic year, kind of taking that next step. He was always a, Cruiserweight in Japan, they call it the junior heavyweight. This year has really elevated as a heavyweight contender. The matches with Okada, fantastic. The match with Orange Cassidy and Forbidden Door, fantastic. Match with Dax Harwood. He's had a few AEW matches. They've all been good. Trio's matches with Aussie Open. Will Ospreay, one of the best in-ring talents in the world. Definitely had a great year in 2022. Number five, Seth freaking Rollins. This dude is doing something I haven't seen anyone do. And that is get over so much with losses. This dude has lost a lot of big matches this year. Three to Cody Rhodes. He lost to Roman Reigns early in the year. um, The Royal Rumble. Actually, no. He won that match but he didn't win the title. Excuse me. Lost against Riddle in their big Extreme Rules main event match. Lost to Lashley at one point lost his title to Austin Theory in the Triple Threat Match at Survivor Series. He's lost a lot of big matches. It doesn't matter. He's still so over. The crowd goes nuts during the match. Goes nuts during his entrance. He has fantastic match every single time. Every time out, he's a four-star. You start basically at four stars with Seth Rollins. This dude brings it. Not only in the ring, but on the mic. Also in his attire. It's like a 5-2 player, this guy. Also, what about the way he carried the build to WrestleMania without even having an opponent? It was a mystery opponent, which ended up being Cody Rhodes. But the way he carried Raw, him and Kevin Owens, carried Raw every single week without someone there to oppose them, without someone to cut promos on the opposite of them. They truly showed their talent. That's something I won't forget. That was early in the year, but it stuck with me throughout. Seth Rollins amazing talent. I think 2023 is going to be one of those years. Where he starts to win these big matches. But as far as fanfare. And talent. This dude is definitely. In my top 5. Number 4. I'm going with Dax Harwood. One half of my tag team of the year. Not only was this guy putting together. Some of the best. Tag team matches ever. He was also having. A little sneaky singles run. It didn't have huge um, storyline implications or anything like that. They were kind of random. So he didn't have the impact like some of the other guys had. But simply from an artist perspective, he put on some damn masterpieces throughout the year. And again, not just the tag stuff. He had matches against Brian Danielson, 101. He had a match against his own tag team partner, Cash Wheeler, in the Owen Hart Cup. That was fantastic. The match with Adam Cole was really good. The match with Jay Lethal was really good. Match with Rocky Romero was solid. Match with Will Ospreay was incredible. Match with CM Punk was incredible. Match with Claudio Castanoli was awesome. These are all four, four and a half star level matches. He went out there and gave us his best every single match. And I love him for that. He is my number four on this year. Number three, Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair single-handedly carried the women's division this year. Dominant championship run. Excellent baby face. Everyone loves her. Great moveset. Great feuds. Had matches with Becky Lynch that was that were incredible. Um, her feud with Bayley's crew. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on their name. Bayley, Io Shirai, Dakota Kai. She really kept interest in these feuds. Even when you thought, okay, this is kind of getting dragged out a little bit. Bianca would give it life, cutting a good promo, having a good match. Uh, The match at War Games was fantastic as well. She can do it all. Promo, look, wrestle, star power. She's definitely top five. I got her at number three wrestler of the year. Like I said, literally carried that division. And didn't make her run stale at all, and she's still the champion. And I still look forward to every single segment that she has on Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw is a bad show. She is one of the bright spots of it. Number two. It had to come down to these two. John Moxley. One hell of a year. This dude is the Iron Man of professional wrestling. He had, I think, over 65 matches this year. Mind you, there's only 52 weeks in the year. This guy was everywhere. Independence scene. Japan. AEW. Rampage, Dynamite, pay-per-view after pay-per-view. It was to the point where if there was a local wrestling show in your town, there was a chance John Moxley was in there wrestling. That's the passion this guy has. He was everywhere this year. Not only was he everywhere, he was everywhere when he was needed. CM Punk gets hurt. Okay, Moxley, you're interim champion. CM Punk gets into a fight. Get suspended. Oh, you're going to go on vacation, Moxley? Cancel your vacation. Show back up. You're going to be the champion. We're going to have you put over MJF. This guy did everything asked of him and then some. Not only did he do that, but he also had some banger matches. The match with the Wheeler Utah is something that I'll never forget. The matches with Tanahashi, MJF, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Jericho. The list goes on. This dude had one hell of a year. And is really the MVP for AEW. Number one. There can only be one. We the ones. Roman Reigns. This dude. Not only is he on a historic run. His character. Is something you could put on a show. A movie. And it would fit right in. The strength of his character. The psychology behind it. The realism in it. With his family. And the bloodline. And the prestige and the history it's perfect i never thought we'd get here with roman reigns roman reigns is a guy i really liked in the shield i thought he was great as an enforcer type guy really good wrestler then when they kind of started shoving him down our throat making him the top baby face when people didn't really want to cheer him making him literally superman going through like outlandish stuff and still winning and beating all of our favorites I was down on him. I thought this was never going to work him as champion. They had to switch it up. They kept doing the same thing over and over again. It was not working. Unfortunately, Roman Reigns comes down with leukemia for the second time, takes a break from wrestling, comes back completely rejuvenated, but still, they were trying to do some of the same things, but he definitely had sympathy from the cancer stuff. People weren't really booing him hard. They were still getting boos, but they weren't booing him too bad as a babyface. Then, he takes time off again during COVID. Comes back with a brand new character. And ever since he stepped foot on television with Paul Heyman, it has been a complete 180. This is one of the best characters in wrestling in quite some time. Roman Reigns is that guy. Finally, he is... Everything WWE wanted him to be. And it seems like he's doing it his own way. He's so comfortable on the mic. He's so comfortable in the ring. He's hitting and clicking on all cylinders. This storyline is fantastic. I almost don't even want it to end. I look forward to it every single week. It's my personal favorite thing in wrestling right now. Roman Reigns is the head of it. Roman Reigns is the head of the table. Roman Reigns is the tribal chief. Not to mention, this guy has been putting on Good matches throughout. People say he doesn't wrestle enough. Uh, That's not quite fully true. He doesn't wrestle a lot on television. He does wrestle. If you go to live events, you're going to see Roman Reigns in a match. So there's that. You are going to see Roman Reigns at these house shows performing. It's not like he's lazy. It's not like he's not showing up. He is. In fact, to me, it actually makes his character stronger that he doesn't wrestle all the time on television. Hulk Hogan wasn't wrestling all the time on television. Big stars don't have to necessarily wrestle all the time on television. Some of them do. And it works for them. Some of them don't. And it adds to it. I think this is a case where it adds to the specialness of Roman Reigns' run. He don't wrestle all the time on free TV. When he does, it's a big moment. Just like uh, last week when he wrestled with John Cena. Uh, he wrestled with Sami Zayn against John Cena and Kevin Owens. That was it. felt like a big moment. That's what Roman Reigns does. He raises the rent. When he shows up, it's a big deal. He's not there every week. He's an attraction you got to pay to see him. He's like Andre the Giant. You don't see him wrestling every week. So, Roman Reigns, he's had matches with Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor. Logan Paul even had a fantastic match. Brock Lesnar. This dude is putting on great matches. And he has the character down 100%. He's failing himself. And I'm failing the Tribal Chief in this run. Great run. He's my wrestler of the year. We'll see how long it lasts. It's going on, I believe, something crazy. Like 855 days, I believe is the number. Something like that. Hasn't been pinned in three years. This is dominance that we haven't seen in a long time. I love it. Continue it. Keep it going until you have someone that can really beat Roman Reigns and become that guy. Right now, I don't see anyone for it. Last but not least, we are going for matches of the year. This was ridiculously hard. I knew 2022 was a good year, but going through these matches of the year and trying to narrow it down, it was really hard. And that just makes me believe that 2022 was a fantastic year because honestly, I could have went through 50 great matches this year. 50, and that's not any hyperbole. I narrowed it down to 15. I'm going to try and run through them quickly. Fifteen, Hangman Adam Page versus Brian Danielson. Two. This was the first match on TBS, the new era that kicked off the new year in 2022. Early in the year, Hangman and Brian for the title. Excellent match. Watch that if you have it. Fourteen, Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins at Royal Rumble. Seth Rollins comes out with the shield gear, the shield music. Excellent match. Kind of shitty the way they ended it, but overall. Definitely a top 15 match of the year. 13, and I feel bad putting it this low because it's a great, great match. It's a classic. Sheamus vs. Gunther at Clash at the Castle for the IC title. Amazing. 12. This is a match unlike anything else on this list. Anarchy in the Arena. Jericho Appreciation Society against Santana, Ortiz, Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, and Bryan Danielson. This was a war. Five on five. Anarchy in the arena. In the arena. Trust me, it was anarchy all over the arena. Anything goes. Weapons, blood, brawls, high spots, carnage everywhere. This match was insane. Definitely top 15 of the year. Number 11. Roman Reigns versus Lesnar. Another match at SummerSlam. Not the WrestleMania match. At SummerSlam. This was a match, again, anarchy. They could have called that one Anarchy in the arena. That was fantastic. Number 10. We're in the top 10 now. Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy at Forbidden Door for the IWGP US title match. Brilliant, brilliant stuff from these two guys. Go back and watch that if you haven't seen it. Number 9. The best trios match I have ever seen in my life. Off the top of my head. Trios, six-man tag, whatever you want to call it. The Elite versus The Dark Order and Hangman a Page. At AEW All Out. For the trios titles. The inaugural champions. That match. Whew. Insanity. Gotta be the best trios match I've ever seen. Number eight. Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. At Wrestlemania. For the Raw Women's Championship. Incredible. One of the best women's matches you'll ever see. Go back and watch that one. Number seven. CM Punk versus MJF. My Personal feud of the year I could have went with Either one of their two matches I have to go with The dog collar match That was brutal It was fitting For their rivalry Excellent Excellent stuff Excellent storytelling It felt like a match From the 80's Punk MJF Dog collar match Number 7 At number 6 In this Another one I feel bad Putting it at 6 Because it was that good FTR Burst the Young Bucks In Boston I personally went to this match One of the best matches I've seen live Best tag match I've probably ever seen live. FTR and Young Bucks burned it down to steal a line from Seth Rollins. Number five. Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara for the TNT title on AEW Dynamite in a ladder match. Wow. That's all I can say about that match. Insanity. Some of the things they did in that match. Cody Rhodes' last AEW match, he went out with a bang. Number four. For the first time ever. FTR. Burst the Briscoes They burned it down They were on a Ring of Honor Pay-per-view that I had no interest in Zero I saw this match was going to be on the card I said okay let me order this pay-per-view This match alone was worth the price Masterpiece Number 3 Kazuchika Okada Versus Will Ospreay In the finals of the G1 Climax In Japan Wow these dudes took it to another level. They had two matches this year. First round match was pretty good. This match surpassed it. Number two, probably the most real quote-unquote match on this list. Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. Hell in a Cell. Cody Rhodes wrestles the match with his torn pec. When he takes his robot To expose the injury to the crowd and the audience watching at home. It is a gasp in the arena. Something that you haven't seen in wrestling many times at all. Where the entire arena is uncomfortable watching what's taking place. And they haven't even thrown a punch yet. The toughness. The passion for Cody Rhodes to wrestle a match with a torn pec. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The match itself was fantastic. The fact he did it with those limitations and that gruesome injury just adds to it even more and elevates it to another level. One of the best matches of the year, number two for me. And number one, again, FTR versus the Briscoes, their third match. I feel bad leaving the second one off this list because that was fantastic too. That just shows how good 2022 uh, was for in-ring action. But this match, the third meeting between FTR and the Briscoes, a dog collar tag-team match, wow. That's all I can say about that. It's, it's, wow. You have to watch it. One of the best matches I've ever seen. That wraps it up for 2022. Again, I feel bad leaving so many other great matches off this. Real quick, I want to give an honorable mention to Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville at WrestleMania Night 2. That was a match that I, going into it, I figured it'd be fun. But it was actually a match that made a lot of my casual friends who only watch maybe one or two events a year text me and say, that was my favorite match. I can't tell you how many times I saw that online or personally got texts about it saying that that was their favorite match. That match transcends. I think it was funny. It was entertaining. It shows pro wrestling is, can be fun for anyone who watches it. Show them that match. That's a good one. Not a top 15 match of the year, but it was great. But again, 2022 had so many good matches. It was hard to even narrow it down to 15. I felt bad leaving some out. That shows you that there is more good wrestling going on now than ever before. No, it's not its hardest. No, it's not the attitude error. No, it's not the ruthless aggression error. But as far as every week, you can find a great match. Not a good match. You can find a great match pretty much every single week. In today's wrestling, whether it's in Japan, U.S., it's an independent scene, it's um, a hardcore match, it's on television, it's not it's on a YouTube show. There's wrestling everywhere now, and there's so many good in-ring workers. We are truly blessed. Wrestling is in great hands right now. I'm looking forward to 2023. AEW's on fire. WWE starting to catch fire. Japan is about to have their biggest event of the year. In January, I believe it's the 4th, where Sasha Banks is is debuting. And you have Kenny Omega returning to fight Will Ospreay. And Kazuchika Okada is fighting Jay White. It's a stacked card. Can't wait to see what happens. We're in a great time right now because the Royal Rumble is around the corner as well. And we're going to kick off WrestleMania season. What a time to be a pro wrestling fan. And if you are a fan, like I mentioned earlier, stay tuned because I will have a new podcast with my co-host Kevin Resendiz. We... Will deliver the best wrestling podcast of 2023 You heard it here first I'm out Tell a friend to tell a friend Subscribe Like it All that stuff Give me that five star review Because like Booker T says It's all about the five
1: Can you dig it sucker